0: people once they get promoted, helping them, you know, navigate kind of those first, you know, time of leadership and first time managing and leading people because it's kind of like being the star quarterback might then get you promoted to be head coach. But you need a totally different skill set as a head coach than you needed as a star quarterback.
1: So that, my friends, is a problem that is happening all across the world. I hear it every day from HR leaders and the executives. It's, I've got a star player, they got promoted, and they don't know how to lead. So the individual that really wants to be a leader needs to learn how to lead themselves before they even have a title. And then also the organization, it should be a non-negotiable to provide a leadership development strategy at all levels. That has got to be something that happens more often. All that said, Alicia Housen is the co-founder of Win at Work, where she's helping women early in their careers learn how to get promoted. Um, and she got promoted every single hundred days for four years, so she knows a thing or two about gaining more and more responsibility. So we're gonna hop in and hear some of her story. It's time for you and me to wake up and leave. Okay. So my friends, family, and definitely wife, when they hear about this new club called the Foot and Mouth Club, um, are going to do the best they can to promote me to CEO of it, because sometimes I just say something and they're like, why did you say that? And my guest today is also a member of this club, Alicia (laughs) and Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. I might fight you for CEO title of that club, though. (laughs)
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I um I think sometimes if you ask my mom, she would say, I think he just says things to be shocking sometimes. I I try to keep those out of mostly professional settings, but sometimes they 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 just slip.
0: Yeah. When it's this like wondrous skill set you have of being able to put your foot in your mouth, it like takes no prisoners. You don't just get to apply it at work or just get to apply it to be funny with your friends. If it's a thing that you have it really is just going to be pervasive in your life. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I think you're right. And um, for those of you listening, I get to learn a lot about my guests by looking at at some of their old LinkedIn posts. And so sometimes I put them on the spot just to see if they remember what they talked about. The most recent foot and mouth story mm-hmm. that I heard you talk about um, was really cool. You were, you were being really vulnerable. It started off as funny, but then you shared something about how, uh, what was it? You told somebody that they made you go to counseling and they took it. Everybody took it the wrong way at first. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Gosh. Okay. Yep. I've, that was a good one. So I we were at a, a management leadership dinner um, at my former company and we were just kind of doing some toasting, you know, just really appreciating everyone as a team. It was really fun to, to get to be there as leaders. And, um, so I got up and I was toasting one of the girls that, um, I just had the privilege of leading for so long and she went from individual contributor to manager, to director. And so I got to walk through that journey with her. And, um, you know, I just kind of raised my glass and I'm like, I go to counseling because of you. And then I'm like, that's not what I meant. (laughs) Oh, man. So luckily, she and everyone else in that room knows me well enough that I uh, am, you know, card carrying member of that club. And so what I meant was, um, she really changed how I thought about counseling at the time. And so she was someone that she went as a preventative measure. She just let me know when she started at the company. Hey, I go to counseling once a month, you know, whatever. And I'm like, great, you know, no big deal. Just uh, let me know if you're not going to be, you know, at work, but you know, you do you totally fine. Um, And that was the first time anyone kind of in my circle that I knew went actually just went to counseling. I didn't know a lot of people who did. And then for her to be so um, nonchalant about it and like, hey, nothing's really like wrong, you know, and there's like all this stigma around that stuff. She was like, I just go to like check in, like make sure I stay on the right path, you know, whatever. And so I, I, when I started to go to counseling, I guess it was about two years after that, um, it was just a time where I, I didn't have as many barriers, I think, that a lot of people have to make that decision for themselves because I understood that, A, it takes a lot more strength to go than it does to not go. Um, so I feel like that's a really yeah, a big sign of kind of courage. And then also, um, it's, it's not a bad thing, you know, and it's not this thing that you shouldn't do or can't do or any of those things. And so she was the reason why I, she kind of changed my mindset around it. But, you know, glass of champagne in hand, it didn't come out quite right. <laughs> oh,
1: I love, I mean, that that's a funny way to start that story, but also just a, a great way to start this episode too. I've been to counseling several times before. I think my mom like really pushed me to go when I was younger. And then when I found myself later on in college and stuff, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. Even if, I remember one time I, I walked in and, and met with this guy, I didn't even really have an agenda. And I walked out and like, my world was rocked in the best way possible. And I'm like, this is so good.
0: Yeah. I had that experience recently. I was like driving there. I'm like, why am I even going? Like, I don't really have anything. And then I walked out like, boom, that's why you go. That was so helpful. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, I'm not sponsored by like a counselor or anything, but, uh, (laughs) y'all, I mean, it's, I could not recommend more. Um, okay. You talked about your former company. So if you go on Alicia's LinkedIn, you will see like a promotion every two weeks Um, at our <laughs> old company. And so uh, that's got to be, I mean, from a startup with a few people to, you know, well over a hundred that mm-hmm. walk us through some of that journey and some of the things you learned.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I started at that company. I was actually coming off of seven years of being out of the marketplace. I stayed home with my kids And I was just looking, my husband was like, hey, could you make like 15 grand as like a side hustle just so like I don't have to work till I'm dead? You know, just kind of like help with retirement, you know? And I'm like, sure, bro, you know, I got you. I can go go do something for 15K a year. And so I just got this part-time kind of data entry role, really position at this company. It was contractor 1099, you know, nothing. And then like a switch was flipped. And so it just became this really, Roller coaster of a ride for the next just under four years. Um, and so I had been there about 60 days. And one of the co-founders, again, I'm, I'm working about 15 hours a week, maybe one of the co-founders called me and she's like, hey, um, I want you to lead a team. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> like, I'm good. Like, I'm still staying home with my, like, my youngest isn't in school yet. Like, no, I'm good. I just, I just want this gig to like work from home, be flexible. And this is like before work from home was a thing. So it was like a really big deal to find this. Um, and so she worked on me for about nine months and then finally my youngest started kindergarten. And I'm like, all right, like I can work full time. And so, um, over even during those nine months, it was like, Hey, can you take on this project? Hey, can you really do th-? And so I did, I basically got more and more responsibility. They just kept it under contract to make me happy, you know, so I could kind of do it around the clock when it worked for me. And so when I finally went full time um, at that point, it was about every 100 days. So two weeks is not actually that far off, but about every 100 days, usually um, one of my co-founders would call me and she would say, um, so what do you think about? And she would pitch you know, the next role. And I, I really didn't think about it all that often. It was almost an immediate like, yeah, let's go because I was just in it to learn, you know, for me, it was like, I love problem solving. And so at a startup, I think I was full-time employee number eight, which full-time employee number eight as a startup means there is a whole host of problems that have to be solved. No one knows what they're doing. No one knows what they should be doing. It's just like crazy pills. So, you know, every 100 days, she would just say, Hey, we have this problem. Can you solve it? So I would go and I would say, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. It was always something I'd never done before, which is totally my language. Like, let me solve new problems. Let me solve new problems. I love it. And so I would solve the problem and I would build the system to stop the problem for, from recurring. And then, you know, and then she would say, well, can you go solve this problem? So I would kind of hand that piece off to someone else. And then I would go and solve another problem in another piece of the business. And then we figure it out, and then we'd build a system to stop that problem from recurring. And so, for just under four years, um, it, it I'm really not exaggerating. I know it sounds like I am, and I don't have them all on my LinkedIn because that's obnoxious. I uh, just put kind of the highlights. But uh, every 100 days, it, uh, my role did change. My title changed, who I reported to, who reported to me, all the things, outcomes, metrics, KPIs. It was it a was wild.
1: It was oh, fun. my goodness. That's a roller coaster. And, and like you said, you were just there to learn. And I know that <laughs> you learned a ton, really so much so that I imagine that played a huge part in, um, a a lot of where you're spending time, uh, now with, with Win at work, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm doing now, I I have my day job, right? I am director of client experience for Tony Robbins organization, which is awesome. Um, and really fun, but kind of what I'm doing in addition to that is Win at work, like you said, and it's really an effort. I heard on a podcast once, um, it was with Ed Milet and Alex Hormozy. And so I can't give credit on which of them said it. But one of them said, uh, you are most equipped to help the person you used to be. And that just like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I remember just kind of being in this position between my last company and my current company. And I was just really wanting to help People. I got to help people a lot at my last company. I took some time off intentionally between roles, which, by the way, if you ever get to do that, do it. Save up for it, make it happen. Just small plug to take care of your life. Um, but it was awesome. But it was in that kind of hiatus moment where I was just really missing developing people and helping people get to their next level, whatever that was for them. You know, that's not up to me, that's up to them. And so when at work is really born out of this idea of I really want to help women specifically, since I obviously am one. You know, ideally, maybe in their first five years of their career, just to help them get promoted. It's obviously something I have a little bit of experience in. I think I had officially about six and three years um, at my last company. And so uh, I just want to help them do that. I got to help a lot of people I worked with do it. And it was really fun to just see them really level up and develop new skills and get more of what they wanted. And I was like, how can I help more people do this? I don't want to be constrained just with wherever I'm working at the time I get to use those skills there too but I just really wanted to kind of open it and say who else can I help and then the the other piece to that is people once they get promoted, helping them you know navigate kind of those first you know time of leadership and first time managing and leading people because it's kind of like being the star quarterback might then get you promoted to be head coach but you need a totally different skill set as a head coach than you needed as a star quarterback. They don't necessarily transfer. Right. And so that's kind of what I really like to help a lot of women do is, okay, once you do, I want to help you get the promotion. And then once you get it, I want to help you thrive in it and help you develop those skills. And so that's kind of where that was born out of. Um, I just love using those learnings and what worked for me. I know kind of the, the tools and the skills that I had to develop that really shot me up that ladder pretty quick. And so I just want to help other people do the same.
1: Oh, that's so good. I mean, that that fires me up. I know you're helping a ton of people. And I spend most of my time talking to HR leaders or executives that are trying to uh, implement some sort of leadership development strategy. And what does every person at every company say, well, we promoted people to manager, and they were a star quarterback, but they don't know how to be a head coach. And so really? that needs to be taught because it's a totally different skill set. And so what you're doing is super valuable um, I'm gonna take a guess. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. I feel like so problem solving is something you love. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen you talk about that a lot. You just talked about it earlier. I saw you post about uh peso, I think mm-hmm. acronym that that's an acronym for something. Is yeah. problem solving a, is that a big part of of oftentimes what it takes to to get promoted?
0: Huge. It is a huge part of what it takes to get promoted because ultimately, Why you promote someone is you want them to solve bigger problems in the business. And so for me, in my experience, it was once I solved a problem that was building that rapport and it was kind of showing that evidence of what I was capable of. And then it was like, well, let's see what else she can solve. Let's see what else she can solve. Let's see what else she can solve. And so there's probably a couple of things I would boil promotions all down to, but for the sake of brevity, you know, Peso is a great example of solving problems is what gets you noticed. And it what's it's, it is what builds credibility. It shows that evidence. And so basically it's your problem. So if you're going to, if you want to use this framework in order to get promoted, you bring your problem to your boss, tell them what the problem is. Then you tell them what effect is this problem having on the business? Why should they care? Because While we like to think our boss understands everything, they probably don't, like just being tongue-in-cheek, but they just don't get it. They might not be in the weeds like you are. And then what is your proposed solution? Again, always bring one or three of those. And then reporting back on the outcome. So once you decide on a solution, you go execute and implement on it and then report back that outcome. If you are bringing that framework to your boss, what's the problem? What's the effect it's having on the organization? What's your proposed solution? And then what is the outcome of implementing said solution? opportunities are going to open left and right for you because they want someone who thinks that way. That's someone who's taking ownership in their role. And then they think, well, what else do I want to put them on? What other problems do I want them solving? What else do I want them to own and be responsible for? Because they clearly care and they like have their crap together to at least put the effort in to figure it out. And you don't have to be perfect. Like I said, sometimes you bring three solutions. You might not know which one is right, but I found the more I could do my boss's thinking for them, the faster I got to move. And so it was like, hey, I, you know, maybe I don't have all the context. So I don't know which of these three solutions is it. But here are the best three that I could find. And then if your boss can go, oh, option B, here's the thing. Don't just walk away and go, great, I'll do option B. You have to ask why. Why is that the right solution? Because if you never understand the thinking of a leader, you won't ever be one. And so you always have to ask that why. So then the next time when you bring that framework, maybe you're only bringing one solution because you know the exact right thinking that got you to that solution that time. And so you refine that skill every time.
1: That's why I do this podcast, to learn stuff like this. <laughs> Peso, yes, this is awesome. Um, And I'm also feeling a wave of conviction knowing that we talked about this yesterday. So like at WildSpark, there's a monthly leadership lesson and then you come together with the team and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And- Um, our lesson was on um, how we all have accidental diminishing tendencies. Mm. One of those is uh, it's called the idea fountain. And so that's the person that runs into their boss's office and says, we should do this, 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 and this, because we have this problem. Um, And then it's like, okay, what's the solution? What are you going to do about it? And so, so often I've come, I've come in with a problem and an effect and no solution and Mm. and definitely no outcome. Mm. And so I think what a good leader has done, what I've seen from the leaders that I've had, it's, okay, well, what's your idea? What are you going to do? What's the outcome? Which mm-hmm. I, I, I've learned now, it's like nobody wants to just have a bucket of problems dumped on them. But if you can come mm-hmm. in with those solutions, it's going to go a super long way. So thank you for helping me and lots of other people with that.
0: Sure. You know, the other side, that's, it's peso. Because hopefully if you do this well, then you get more pesos in your pocket. So that's what oh, makes it look wow. like dad joke worthy is that's why it's called the Peso framework. So you, Dad you know. <laughs> joke
1: worthy. Oh my goodness. This is, this is amazing. Um, Well, is there any other, and, and I don't, I don't want to spoil all of your secrets and everything, but for when at work, I mean, are there any other key, key tips or ideas sure. that you're, you're teaching and coaching through?
0: Yeah, definitely. So there's a couple, I would probably, if I had to boil everything down, it's going to be a very oversimplification, but it's really building rapport. It's executing like an absolute rock star. And then it's communicating better than anyone else. Not in a, not in a competitive way. I don't mean it that way, but just, it doesn't matter if you build rapport, it doesn't matter if you execute really well, if you're a poor communicator. And so those are three, like I said, kind of oversimplified buckets, but you know, in kind of this promotion path coaching that I do at when at work, I dive into actually the how to and the tactic tactics, excuse me, of all three of those things because everyone will go. Everyone that listening to this will go, oh yeah, you got to build rapport, you need to execute, you need to communicate. Great, but how do you do that? And how do you do that in a way that actually expedites your career? And how do you do it in a way that doesn't step on anyone else? Right? You don't have to step on people in order to get ahead for yourself. And so I kind of go through some of those principles in each of those three skill sets that, hey, this is kind of the refinement of them. This is tactically how you do this every single day in your career. And these are the things that I did that helped me get promoted. And I've seen it work in dozens of other women. Is like, do these things and you will win. And then they did. So it works.
1: (laughs) Oh, this is so good. Awesome. Can you tell me some of the things and challenges, some of the things you learned? I imagine as each role each promotion you got there's more responsibility more problems to solve i mean what are some of the what are some of the main things that you that you learned
0: oh gosh so many things um i think a lot of times we hear the phrase like what got you here won't get you there i don't like the way that phrase is always used and so but i do think it's relevant because me as a human i've heard it said that I have this bag of tricks, I have this bag of tricks of skill sets, talents, all these things that got me promoted. But that bag of tricks is now maybe not as relevant, right? So like every, when you increase your responsibility, you have to expand the way that you think. So, you know, and maybe in my manager role, I was just worried about having effective one on ones with my team, you know, but by the time I was, you know, in an SVP role, I'm running an entire profit and loss statement for my entire division. And I'm allocating time, talent, resources, all of those things to run a profitable business of the piece that I'm responsible for. I had no freaking clue how to do that. No clue, you know? And so I was honored to kind of get promoted based on um, aptitude and potential. And I just have this mindset of like, I don't know how, but I'll figure it out. And I think that anyone it doesn't really matter what skill set you currently have if you're willing to go get one and so for me like that's what I learned so I just kept learning skill sets I kept learning whether it be how to talk I worked in sales for a while so then I learned how to sell right so then I understood I have a quota on my head and like how do I navigate a sales track conversation with someone so that I get to help them solve their problem with our specific solution So that was a skill set I had to learn. So every role, it was, okay, now I need to learn how to lead individual contributors. Well, the next role is how do you lead leaders? Leading leaders is different than leading ICs, right? So every role, you're having to learn a new skill set. And so you're just adding kind of tricks into your bag at every level but in order for you to not die up at the top of that ladder, you also have to take some of those things out and you have to be teaching the people behind you how to do things at that level that you've now mastered so that you've been allowed to move up. But you have to take those out and say, now let me teach you how to do these things. Mm. And So there's there's your own learning of skill sets and then it's your own unlearning of things you have to learn to give away and to develop those skill sets and other people behind you.
1: That's you. <laughs> You took a minute when I asked you that question, but that's like the best answer ever. Like that was that was so good. I, I, try, I, to have I,
0: thought, I try to have thoughtful responses and not just like bull crap.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, no, you're right. This is good. Um, so you mentioned uh being open to to gaining new tools, learning new things, learning new skills. Uh, and it made me think of Tony Robbins. I know he helps a lot of people do that. Can you tell me a little bit about? just him and what you've learned from working there and what some of your role looks like now.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, there's so many things. So I've worked um, at this organization for about nine months. So I, I'm not even into the the meat of it yet. Right. Of the, all of the things, but I think there's a couple of things that I've really learned, you know, complexity is the enemy of execution. That's one of the big things I've learned. I think in our own, both in our work and in our personal lives, Um, the more complicated you make something, the more difficult it's going to be to produce on it. You know what, like I said, relationally, professionally, whatever, you know, those, some of those things, um, Tony is really big on focus. And I think the exact phrase is, you know, where focus goes, energy flows. Um, and you just can't, you really can't be the best version of you or for anyone around you. If you're pulled in like 18 different directions, um, and then I think probably the biggest thing I've really learned from working here and from Tony's teachings is that we all have a whole host of limiting beliefs that we put on ourselves. I didn't even know I had them. No, None of us wake up in the morning and go, my limiting belief today is this or this or this. They're just there and they live in your head and you don't know that they're there, but they're working every day against you. And so whatever that thing is that you're you're telling yourself a story that's stopping you from something, maybe it's stopping you from getting a promotion. Maybe it's stopping you from asking that girl out at a restaurant. I don't know. Maybe it's stopping you from starting a family, like whatever those things are. Sometimes the thing that's stopping you isn't real. You've created that and you've made it be a constraint on your life when it doesn't really need to be. And so it's been a process. Like I, I had a personal result, results coach um, through Tony Robbins organization. And, you know, she even helped me. She would, she's like, Alicia, you're sabotaging yourself. And I'm like, well, that's rude. But she was right, you know? And so just learning those things of like, you're, we cap ourselves more so than anything around us caps us, but we would like to blame external things when really a lot of times it's probably our own mindset.
1: Alicia is also a motivational speaker as well. Um, <laughs> I'm fired up right now. This is, I mean, this is good. I, it's so often one of the things I'm learning is like, what in this, what are the stories that I'm telling myself? Mm-hmm. Um, do I have a fixed mindset or a mm-hmm. growth mindset? Um, so th- that's super good. I'm, I'm glad you're learning a ton. I'm sure they're super thankful to have you mm-hmm. on the team. Uh, all right. I've pulled a couple of your LinkedIn posts. I may go rapid fire here just okay, to have a quick conversation about some of them. Let's see. Um, Ooh, the golden rule is bullcrap. Any, oh. th- any thoughts on that?
0: Um, yeah, it's the golden rule is bullcrap. That's my thought.
1: So, <laughs> uh, what?
0: Yeah. But you know, more or less because I, you know, I kind of wrote in the post, I'm super, you know, direct and sarcastic and all those things. And if I've learned anything of being a card carrying member of the foot and mouth club, it's that those characteristics are not always well received. However, that's how I like to be treated. I like when people are really direct with me, really blunt, don't beat around the bush. I don't care how ugly it is. Let's just call a spade a spade. But I've learned that's not how, that's how I want to be treated. But I don't think it's always helpful for how other people want to be treated because they have told me as such. So learning how they want to be treated is really, that's the long game of relational equity, personally and professionally, is treating people the way they want to be and not the way I want to be. Mm,
1: that That's great. I, I take it you've uh, taken a few personality tests and look at the the results of like other people's as well and realize maybe not everyone else is a high d or an eight <laughs> correct
0: I remember I went to my boss one time she was a a green temperament that's one of them she was an enneagram nine and she was probably like an s on the disc. and I had to have a performance management conversation with someone on my team that had her same makeup and I went to my boss and I'm like how do I have this conversation in a way that will serve her and lead her well because we are total opposites so, how would you want someone to have this conversation with you? because I want to make sure I'm leading her well? And that was real early on um, in my career. And I just remember it was so helpful to me to understand myself, to understand where she was. And I'm like, this is gonna be a disaster. if and the onus is on me as the leader to do that well. And so I went and asked my own boss who had the same temperament, and I'm like, how do how do I do this? I want to you know, and so it's a really great. It's helpful to know those things about yourself and for the people around you and the people you lead so that you can preserve the relational piece to in order to get the outcomes or whatever you're after.
1: Mm, That's awesome. I wonder if like, it would be helpful if people just walked around and had like a floating personality thing above them right before you had a conversation.
0: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, instead of like, hello, my name is it's like my Enneagram is that would be helpful. (laughs)
1: yeah um okay another one uh your super viral post about feedback you got from your ceo a while back that was pretty cool
0: yeah i was shocked that that post took off the way that it did i i to my opinion i didn't write it any differently than i've written anything else but i think it resonated because i effed up can i say that okay great awesome um I did. And I and so I think everyone just knows what that feels like and that pit of your stomach when you just mess something up. And so uh, you know, kind of the gist of that post is um I was in town for a two-day work retreat thing and um shocker, put my foot in my mouth <laughs> and uh didn't really realize it at the time. Usually I'm like, oh no, and I realized, which by the way, I'm a lot better about it now than I used to be. Like I don't do it as nearly as often. I've grown, I've learned, I've evolved but that day, apparently not. So I had put my foot in my mouth a, a, a little bit, but I didn't realize it. Um, but we were in meetings and then we all went out as a team that night. And so there just wasn't really a time for my boss to have this discussion with me, except the next morning, he texted me before we all got together again, cause that was the second day. So he texted me the next morning to say, Hey, you stepped in it. And I think he wanted to have that conversation with me before you know, we were in meetings again all day. And in case I did it again, I'm guessing. And um, he's like, hey, you stepped in it. And I'm like, crap, I'm sorry, you know? And so I realized, but it's just like that pit in your stomach when it's just like, you don't want to disappoint anyone, you know, and I felt like I disappointed him, but it wasn't really about him. It was just that I disappointed anyone. And so I just had to kind of work through not carrying that with me. It's so easy. We just let that just play in your head over and over. And I don't know if anyone else says that. Maybe I'm a psycho, but it's the te- it's tempting, right? So just let that play over in your head when you mess something up. It's the thing that you're like staring at your ceiling at 2 a.m. about. You're like I still can't believe I said that or I did that, right? And um, I told my boss that morning. I said he. I said I I I feel terrible. I I think I disappointed you. I don't. I'm not proud that you know I said that or did that or whatever. And he said, he said, Alicia, fix it. Like, don't do it again. Learn from it. He said, and move on. He said, I'm never going to think about this again. And some people listening to this are probably like, I call BS. Everybody thinks about it again. But truly, I knew him well enough to know. This is when it helps to know who your leaders are, right? Enneagram seven. He's just on to the next thing all the time. Um, high eye on the disc, you know, all of that. And so I just knew, you know, I think he means that. I really don't think he's going to think about this again. And so I didn't offend anyone in particular. So I didn't have to go like make amends or anything. He was just like, hey, you just spoke out of turn. And so, you know, went through the day, whatever. And about a year later, um, something came up in conversation. And I mentioned this conversation and he said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, you know, I, that thing that happened, da, da 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 da. and he said, what did he said? What did you even say that you stepped in it? He said, what did you even say? He said, I don't remember. And I'm like, well, then I'm not telling you. I don't need to relive that day again. But he meant what he said, that he wasn't going to think about it again. And he didn't because he genuinely didn't remember a year later. So it was a moment for me of someone leading me well, knowing the best way I can lead my team when they mess up is to let them know it's okay to mess up. Just learn from it and move on. Don't mm-hmm. sacrifice the rest of your production, the rest of your day, the rest of your results, because you're holding on to this thing in your head. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you already did this thing, but you got to let it go. Or now everything else could be at stake if you let that kind of rule your mind. And yeah. so that was the learning for me. And I, he made me feel kind of psychologically safe of like, okay, I'm human. I messed up. And he's like, just don't do it again. Learn from it. I'm like, oh, okay. I can do that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great learning lesson right there. I love yeah. that. Okay. Last question. Okay. Um, I thought this was really cool and I thought it was a good way to end. I saw how you spend uh two to 3 PM every day. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah. So on my calendar every day, it's on there right now from two to three, I have blocked and pretty, I would say 98% of the time I stick to it. And so what I do during those 15 minutes every day is I walk to the end of my street and I get my kids off the bus. And it is something that I refuse to sacrifice, but I can't say I've always been that way. And I think that's why I'm so hard nosed on it now is because there have been times in my career, I still had the block on the calendar, but like, oh, I would let a meeting go late or, hey, can I talk to you at this time? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, I'll make it work, you know, whatever. Um, But just, you know, a mom moment, if you will, I, I read somewhere one time, There's like three, five minute segments of the day that mean the most with your kid, which is five minutes after they wake up, five minutes when they get home from school, daycare, whatever, and the five minutes before they go to bed. And so those are just such the transitional moments of the day. And I'm like, no job is worth sacrificing that those moments with my kids every day. And so I want them when they're older to think my mom was always standing at the corner when I got off the bus. And yeah. so if I'm not that 2% of the time, I'm not, cause I'm not perfect. My husband is. So one of us is, but, um, it was something that early in my career I sacrificed and mm-hmm. I feel like I learned, I, I paid that price, you know, for my kids and, and I don't want them to, they're nine and 10 now. So hopefully they're remembering now that their mom is always there. So that's why I block that time every day.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, great, great lesson for parents out there. Thanks for sharing that Alicia. Um, <laughs> and last thing before we go, if you have anything else that you wanted to say about when at work or or anything, then I'll, I'll give you the floor.
0: Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I would just say, you know, if you're listening to this, if you're a, a woman, you know, maybe in the first five years of your career or close to that, you could be transitioning in. You know, I kind of had a hiatus in my career, all of that. If you want help getting promoted at work or if you want help becoming a better leader now that you've been promoted, I would love the opportunity to to chat with you. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can go to winatwork.io, but I'm more of a people person. So just DM me on LinkedIn. I would love to see if I can help. But ultimately, um, I just want anyone listening to this, I just hope it was valuable. I hope that all I want to do is help someone learn um, something that I learned. So if I can help anyone sidestep a landmine in their career because I stepped squarely on it, then I would love to do that.
1: I love it. Well, I'm excited just for you to continue to grow this. I know you're helping a ton of people. I learned a ton today. So thanks so much for joining me, Alicia.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: All right, folks, time for your action steps. I've got four of them. Number one, don't be afraid to go to counseling. Whenever I've been, even if I didn't have anything crazy going on in my life, I always learned something new and it was super impactful. Number two, remember Peso. So if you have something you want to bring to your boss, say, here's the problem and then tell them the effect of that problem. Then come with one to three solutions. That's super important. And then once you've gotten approval on one of the solutions, come back with the outcome. That's gonna go a super long way. Number three, don't be opposed to learning new things. What you've always done in your previous roles may not help you succeed once you get new roles and responsibilities. So you've gotta be available to learn and grow and try new things. And then finally, if you're a female that's in the first couple years of your career, please reach out to Alicia and have a conversation with her. She definitely can help you in in your career and help you get promoted as well. I'll see you next week.